Have fun. See you soon. Today we're starting a brand new series called Get Used to Different. And depending who you are, you may look at that and be a little scared because different usually means change. And different's not always a good thing, is it? You may leave here this morning and say, man, that first song was really different, and it's probably not a good thing. If you go over to somebody's house and you leave and you tell your spouse, well, that was a different night, (laughs) Uh, it's probably not a good thing. If your spouse makes something new for dinner and you say, well, that was different, it's probably not a compliment. And so you hear this phrase, get used to different, and you're like, well, it depends on what the different is. It depends on what the difference is, whether I'm going to like it or not. And yet I think we're all looking for different at some point in our life. Wouldn't it be great to see some see the world differently? Wouldn't it be great if in this world where individualism is such a big thing, wouldn't it be great to know that you belong somewhere? Wouldn't it be great to to have something different where you felt like you belonged to a family even if you don't have family around? Family to encourage you, to love you, to build you up, to challenge you. Wouldn't it be great to be different? Wouldn't it be great in a, in a world with subjective truth, where, where truth is relative, wouldn't it be great if there was objective truth to where you could point to it and say, this is true, this is false? Wouldn't it be great to see different? Wouldn't it be great to see morality again? Morality and, and to see people looking more like Jesus. Wouldn't it be great to be different, to hear different. In a world where we have to strive for people's love and approval, in a world where we know what guilt is, in a world where we know how we have to earn people's love and favor, wouldn't it be great if we just had joy? Joy in being who we are. Joy in knowing that we're loved and forgiven. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks, those four topics. We're going to look at how we, we treat each other, we love each other like family. We're going to look at how God's word is truth. We're going to look uh, at how we become more and more like Jesus. And today, we're going to look at we thrive on more joy than guilt. And so we're going to get used to different because difference better. And to look at all this, we're going to look at the, the letter to the, the Thessalonians, the first letter called First Thessalonians. Before we jump in, let me give you some background. Paul, in 51 AD, uh, came to Thessalonica. Where's Thessalonica? I've got to turn it on. There we go. Okay, so this is the outer map. I know you can't see it right now, but hang on. I'm going to zoom in. you got the bottom half is Africa. On the right-hand side of the screen in the green there, at the bottom down there, that's Jerusalem. And then all up over there, you got Galatia, Asia, in Asia is where Ephesus is. And then up in the upper left is, you're going to see Thessalonica. And so we zoom in, and there it is, right under Macedonia. Uh, you go down just a little bit, there's Thessalonica. Paul came to Thessalonica in 51 AD. And just like he does all the time, he goes to the Jewish synagogues. 
In 51 AD, Thessalonica had 200,000 people. It was a huge city for that time. And Paul goes to the Jewish synagogue and he starts preaching about Jesus. He goes and, and he says how Jesus was the promised Messiah, the fulfillment of the Old Testament, and he has success. People believe in Jesus. And he starts up this little church. Unfortunately, he only lasted three Sabbath days. Three weeks. That's it. Because after the third Saturday, some Jews came over and they threatened to kill Paul for preaching Jesus. So Paul fled. Paul left. Now from a human standpoint, what chance does this little church have of surviving? Not much. Three weeks of Paul, that's it, and now there's persecution, and you're going to tell me this church is going to survive? It does. It hangs on. Why? Because they got to know something different. And Paul writes to them in 1 Thessalonians. He writes to them at the end of 51 AD to encourage them with this letter. And we're going to look at the values of the Thessalonian church that Paul talks to them about and we're going to see what was different about them and how that difference still makes a difference today. Let's open up the First Thessalonians. It's your worship folder, page 9. It's also going to be on the screen. We're going to read it all the way through, and then I'm going to make comments at the end. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols, to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. End of chapter 1. Notice what Paul says. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Why? The Thessalonians were different. They were different and it rang out to everyone. They were different. They had joy. They had hope. Why? It all starts in verse 4. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Two words, loved and chosen, that we just kind of glance over. They're ordinary words. We use them every day. And yet these two words make all the difference. What the Thessalonians came to realize is God was different. God loved them and chose them. And that's your first point today. God is different because he loves 
and chooses us. The Thessalonians came to hear this message which made all the difference and it was that God loved them. God loved them. This, uh, this letter was originally written in Greek and in the Greek language there are three words for love. There's eros, which is like erotic love, which is like Valentine's Day love, right? Uh, oh, I love you. I, I love you too. You make my heart so full. You complete me. That's eros love. There's philia love, which is brotherly, sisterly love. Philadelphia is brotherly love. It literally is Adelphia, sister, philia, love. Uh, it's not good on Valentine's Day when a guy says, I eros you, and she responds, I philia you. Uh, that's not good. Um, that's I love you romantically, and she responds with, ah, I love you like a brother. Uh, it's not good for that guy. And then there's a third love, agape love. It's a love that loves when there's no reason to love. It's a love that loves when it's undeserved. And that's the love that Paul says here. They are agaped by God. Agape love is what we saw in Luke chapter 15, where the son comes to his dad and basically says, you're better off dead than alive to me because I want what you have and that's your possessions. Give me my share of the inheritance. Dad gives it to him. He goes off and lives wildly, getting drunk and partying and, and living unholy, unmorally, immorally. And he wastes all the stuff and he comes back and dad has no reason to love him. And yet he loves him. He has compassion on him. That's agape love. And that's the love that the Thessalonians found in God. And it was different than anything. In fact, we're told they turned from their idols to the living and true God because God has agape love. We just got done with an idol series. And what was the theme over and over again? God's different. God is different than the idols. Why? Because God has agape love. Idols don't. Idols don't love you. They make you work for their love. God loves you even when you don't deserve it. There's no ifs. There's no exceptions. There's a story of uh, two teenagers, a boy and girl. They had eros love. They were loving each other. And boy would go over to girl's family's house every Friday night to have dinner with the family. And after dinner, they'd go out to the front porch swing and they'd sit and they'd hold hands and they'd talk about the future. They'd talk about their day. And they'd hold hands until it was getting dusk. And as the sun was going down, the boy would always leave. One, one night, the boy was feeling extra lovey and so he held her hand by the gate on the way out and he turned to her and he said, you know I love you, right? And she said, yes. And he said, I would fight the biggest man for you. I would swim the deepest oceans for you. I would climb the highest hill for you. And then he turned to her and kissed her. And then he turned and he walked through the gate. And as he walked through the, through the gate, he turned and closed the door and he said, I'll see you next Friday, unless if it rains. So apparently he'd fight the biggest man, he'd swim the deepest of depths, he'd climb the highest mountain, but if it rained, that was too much to come and see the woman that he loved. Sometimes we think God's like that, don't we? God, I know you say you love me, 
But where's the if? God, I know you say you love me if I go to church. God, you love me, but if I don't make a mess of my life. God, you love me as long as I'm, I have a squeaky clean record. God, you love me if I'm reading my Bible. God, you love me if I change my behavior. God, you love me, you fill in the blank. You may love me and fight the biggest man for me, God. You may climb the highest mountain. You may go to the depths of the sea. But God, where's the if? Where's the if? See, that's what the Thessalonians found out about God. There is no if. And it makes all the difference. There is no if about God's love for you. That's agape love, and that's what he has for you. There's no ifs. God loves you, even if you've made a complete mess of your life. God loves you, even if you're hiding a huge secret. God loves you, even if your sins are longer than a kid's list, a Christmas list. God loves you, even if you're a disappointment to your family. God loves you, even if you're running. God loves you, even if you've gone away from church for a long time. God loves you. He loves you. It's agape love. There's no ifs. The same is true on the other side. God doesn't love you, because you've got a squeaky clean track record. He doesn't love you because you're in church on Sunday morning. He doesn't love you because you read your Bible. He doesn't love you because you've got the picturesque family. He doesn't love you because of your career success and the money that you have. He loves you because he loves you. That's it. No reason. It's undeserved, unconditional, and there's no reason that he loves you in and of yourself. And that's a good thing. Because what reason have you and I given God to love us? None. We're sinners. We've given God every reason to say if. Because of our sin. And yet God doesn't say if. He loves us for the sake of Jesus. He loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to take all of our sin to take all of that guilt on himself and die for us. Why? So that God could have you as his own. You talk about unconditional love. God loves us and would climb the highest mountain. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He climbed the mountain of Calvary and mounted a cross for you and me. That's agape love. No reason except for love. And that love makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. And yet there's that second word yet. Not only does God agape us, he chooses us. When did he choose us? After we showed how good we were? I see Carlos shaking his head no back there. You're right. <laughs> he chose us before the creation of the world the Bible says. Before you were even born, before you had any, ch uh, any chance to prove that you were worth choosing, before you had any opportunity to show you were worth taking on God's team, God chose you to be his own. He chose you to be his own, and that's what the Thessalonians figured out. God is different. He chooses us. 
The idols we've had to work so hard for to prove that we're worth picking, to prove we're worth choosing. But God chooses us before we had any chance to show why we were worth choosing. He agapes us, and he chooses us. Think about that. You don't have to prove that you're worth choosing. When, when the team, when the employer doesn't choose you, it hurts. And yet the God of this world has chosen you. When he or she doesn't choose you, the God of this world has chosen you. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to prove yourself. God chooses you before the creation of the world to be his own. You don't have to work for it. God's just done it. Do you see the difference? God loves you without you doing anything. He's chosen you without you doing anything. It's all through Jesus. And God's difference makes all the difference in our lives. Because God is different, it makes us different. And that's what Paul talks about, and that's your second point today. Christians are different because we're joyful and hopeful. Why? Because our circumstances are so great? No. Look at what Paul says about the, the Thessalonians here. Verse 6, You became imitators of us and then of our Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. The Thessalonians did not have a joyful situation. Not, they were not only persecuted, they were severely persecuted for being Christian, and yet they had joy. Why? It's because God made all the difference. Because they knew that God loved them. It's because they knew that God chose them, and it changed them so that no matter what the situation was, they were joyful because God was different. And not only were they joyful, they were so joyful that news about them spread everywhere. Their difference was made known everywhere, Paul says. They were known for being joyful. And so it makes us ask the question today, what are we known for? What's the Christian church known for in America? What are, what's Divine Savior Church known for? What are you known for? In America, I, I wonder if outsiders look at the Christian church and, and think of the Christian church as angry, mean, hypocritical. They go to church on Sunday, but they don't live like it the rest of the week. I wonder if it's judgmental. I wonder if the outside looks in at the Christian church and says, Republican. How about those inside the church? For inside the people inside the church, is there a reputation in the Christian church of guilt and shame? Judgmental. You have to come and be like us, look like us, talk like us. And if you don't, you're worse than us. I wonder if inside the church... It's known for church politics and fighting instead of joy and hope. What about Divine Savior? What about our church? What do you think we're known for? I'd like to say joy and hope. And it starts with me being up front preaching about joy and hope 
and, and dealing with people with joy and hope. But it's not just me, is it? The church isn't just made up of Stephen App, it's made up of all of you, and so what are you known for? When people look at you, Christian, what are you known for? Is it joy and hope? Or is it a hypocrite? Is it joy and hope or judgmental? Is it joy and hope no matter what circumstance? Or do people look at you and say, well, their mood is really determined by, by their circumstances. If they're happy and they're, they're, things are going well in their life, they're over the moon, joyful. But man, if things are going bad, watch out. They're a bear. What are you known for? See, we want to be known for joy and hope. We want to be different than the rest of the world. We want to be joyful and hopeful. And how do we do it? It goes back to meditating on our God who's so different. It's not found in us. It's meditating on our God who is so different, who agapes us, who's chosen us to be his own. It starts by going back to him to our God who loves us and forgives us for the sake of Jesus. You want to talk about joy. How about joy knowing that no matter how long your sins are, the list of your sins, God's mercy is more. You want to talk about joy. How about because your sins are forgiven, because God loves you enough to forgive your sins through Jesus, you know that even when bad things happen, when suffering happens, when things aren't going your way, it's not a punishment from God because he loves you and forgives you. Instead, he promises that he's going to work all things, including this bad time, for your good. That's a reason for joy. You want to talk about joy, how about when everyone else doesn't choose you? When everyone else just despises you and, and pushes you away, the God of this world says, I choose you. That's a reason for joy. And where's the hope? The very last verse. Look what Paul says. And to wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. You want to talk about hope. This world, it, it may be hard. This world may be scary. It may be filled with sin and hurt and death. And yet Christians have hope in all circumstances. Why? Because of Jesus. God's Son who will rescue us from the coming wrath. You see, when you think about the end of the world, when you think about how all of this ends, it can be a little scary to stand before God himself and have to answer. And yet the Thessalonians had hope. And so do we. Because of Jesus, who rescues us. Because of Jesus, who took our sin to the cross and he took on the wrath of God himself. All of the wrath that God has over our sin, he took out on Jesus. And we know it because Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The wrath of God over sin was taken out on Jesus. And now we know that in the end, we are going to stand before God, and Jesus is going to rescue us from the coming wrath over sin. You see, we can't stop talking about wrath. Or, I'm sorry, we can't stop talking about sin and guilt. Because God has wrath over sin. And if we don't know that, we have no reason to look to our Savior Jesus who rescues us. 
In fact, the reason we have so much joy is because we know that we're sinful. If we didn't know we were sinful, we'd look and say, Jesus, I'm, I'm glad that you died on the cross, but I'm a pretty good person. You see, we need to talk about sin, we need to talk about guilt, but it doesn't overcome the joy that we have through Jesus. Because Jesus has taken away our sin. He's taken away the wrath of God from us. We stand filled with joy because of him. In a world that's filled with pessimism, in a world that's filled with circumstantial happiness and hope, we get to be different. We get to be different because our God is different. He's a God that brings us joy and hope because he's a God who agapes us. He's a God who, who chooses us to be his own. He's a God who rescues us from the coming wrath. And it's because our God is different that we want to live differently too. We want to be filled with joy and hope in this world. We get to be different because our God is different. And not only do we get to be different, we get to make a difference in this world as we are known for joy and hope. This is our God. This is what the Thessalonians came to know. A God who is different and it made all the difference in their life. And that same God is our God. We get to make the same difference as we live with joy and hope. And the message of joy and hope rings out from Divine Savior and the people here at Divine Savior as it touches more and more people's lives. And they get to know their Savior too. This is what's different. Does different sound so bad? Not at all. We've got a God who's different. So let's be different as we live with more joy than guilt. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are a God who loves us. You agape us. There's no reason why you do other than Jesus, our Savior. Uh, we haven't given you a reason. You love us uh, without any reason, without anything being deserving of your love. You love regardless. What a joy that brings us today because we don't have to work for that joy. We don't have to work for that hope. You give it to us all through Jesus, our Savior, and we're so thankful. Let us live in that joy. Let us live in that hope. Uh, help us to always meditate on it because, it's, uh, because you make the difference in our hearts and you cause us to be different as we live with joy uh, in our world and through all circumstances. Be with us. Help us to live with that joy so that more people may see that joy and, and hope and be attracted to you, our, our God. Let them say there's something different about them and that difference is you. Be with us. Continue to let us live in that joy and hope always. In your name we pray. Amen.